Hey everybody, this is Tom Singer. It is Thanksgiving week and I hope that you have lots of things to be thankful for. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens to cool things entrepreneurs do. So this week, instead of two episodes, we're going to release seven episodes. That's one show every day for all of Thanksgiving week. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. And welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So today, we have our first sponsor, uh, this episode is sponsored by the Executive Press Division of New Year Publishing. Now, a disclaimer, New Year Publishing is the publisher I'm involved with that does all my books, but the Executive Press Division specializes in assisting CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other executives in producing high-quality, industry-focused publications that enhance the brand of the author and the company. You can find out more information about New Year Publishing and their Executive Press Division at newyearpublishing.com. So today's show, I am really excited. We have Adrian Seeger, and Adrian is a meeting architect. Now you might say, Tom, what is a meeting architect? Well, he tells me that he designs conferences that don't suck. And that's what we all like to attend, is we like to go to conferences that don't suck. So I want to hear more about that. But this is actually Adrian's fifth career. Now he's been doing this for 30 years, but he started off with a PhD in particle physics and actually did research at the big accelerators, uh, I believe over in England where he hails from, but he decided he wanted to live in Vermont and so he moved to the United States where he started a manufacturing company and then he went on to teach computer science at a local college, moved on to doing IT consulting, all the time starting this event consulting business. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about how he got there, what he's doing, and a little bit about the events business. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're here, and I wish you would uh, back up a little bit and tell us a little bit about that journey. It sounds like you've had quite an eclectic life. It has been a, a very interesting life, and uh, I think it has some lessons in it, actually, for entrepreneurs. Uh, I really moved from what I've been good at doing um, to really what my preference is, which hopefully I'm good at as well. And it's taken, it took me probably about 50 years of my life to figure that out. Um, because the conference work that you refer to, I had been doing as an amateur for many, many years in my spare time. Uh, whatever professional work I was doing, I already, I always organized uh, conferences around it. I organized, for example, the, the manufacturing company was a solar manufacturing business and we, I organized some of the earliest uh, solar energy conferences in the United States. So I was kind of doing what I have now ended up doing um, as a sideline, and it, it took me a long time to realize that that's what I actually love to do. So a lot of people kind of work for a big company for a long time and, and then sort of get that, that yearning to make the leap. It sounds like you did it very early, even though you've done lots of things. It sounds like it's always been sort of self-driven. Well, it has. I mean, the first uh, 25 years of my life, uh, getting my PhD and so on. Um, obviously, I worked for very large organizations. Uh, you, you, when you're doing research, you're parts of huge uh, international teams. You're working at these massive accelerators, and you're part of, you know, you're one uh, piece of a very, uh, a small piece of a very large organization. 
And I have to say that, you know, I, I, when I came to the United States as a postdoc and, and started doing particle uh, research, elementary particle research here, I realized after a year that I, I just didn't want to spend the rest of my life working with uh, the high-energy physics community. It was a, a, a group of people, a few hundred uh, physicists, scientists, and so on. And I didn't want to be part of... Um, of something where you know I was a piece, an important piece, maybe eventually, but 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 just a piece, and and uh, so it, it just felt very easy for me to to give up all of that, to give up all this academic uh, work that I'd been doing and all this uh, uh, training and learning that I'd received, and uh, start with uh, a fledgling solar energy business at the time of the first uh, oil crisis uh, back in the in the in the late seventies. So what was the biggest change going from this academia research world to being an entrepreneur? Well, uh, the first thing was that I knew nothing about business. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I was intelligent and so on, and I ended up being the general manager of this company. I, I actually had very little to do. You might think with my background I'd be uh, involved on the technical side, but solar energy systems are relatively low tech, and that wasn't my uh, concentration. So I was a general manager of the small company. We had maybe a dozen employees, and I had to learn how to run a business. It was actually very useful training, and I had no background in it. And so, you know, I taught myself accounting and you know management and and um, all these other things, and I. It was a it was a useful experience because it gave me a, a business background that was very useful for my uh, IT consulting later on, but it also uh, taught me that though I I don't think I was a bad manager, it wasn't uh, what I really wanted to do. I didn't want to be responsible for employees. I I have a lot of respect for folks who do that and do that well. It's a difficult task. Uh, so I it took me uh, the five years of being in at Solar Alternative to. Uh, to discover that. So that was a really valuable lesson as well, besides getting the general business experience. So what is it that you like about this life of an entrepreneur? I mean, you sort of moved from the the, the academia world to running a business to being more of a solopreneur. What do you mm -hmm. like about your lifestyle? I like it a lot. It's not for everybody. Uh, you have to be prepared to do anything that, you know, you is that is needed. Um, so I think... Um, but I adore the flexibility. I love the fact that um, I, I do a lot of I, I do a lot of what I would consider creative work, and that's not something I can just call up. You know, there are days where where uh, it would make a lot more sense for me to uh, to do you know bookkeeping or, or or paying bills, doing those kinds of mundane things that, that every entrepreneur has to do to keep the business running. Uh, but I never know in advance when those days are going to be and when the days are when I have a great idea and I want to do something. And obviously working for myself uh, gives you uh, the freedom, provided you have the discipline, to, uh, to take advantage of that. I love you know, being able to take time off when I want to, uh, to schedule that, um, and to have you know, a lifestyle that I have control over. So you're married and you have adult children. What's the downside of working for yourself? Well, I, I have to say, I have a, I, I live and, and work in, in my home. I have a home office here. And I have to say that for probably the first 10 or 15 years, uh, you know, you have little kids around and, you know, your wife would like to see you once in a while. And um, just um, a, a coming up with conventions about uh, um, when you work, uh, when you can be disturbed, and making that clear, I think that's the hardest thing, is sometimes it's difficult. As I say, I, I may go into my office 
and only discover then that, okay, there's a, I have a great idea and I want to work on that, or I may want to do something mundane, or the phone rings and the client calls and I need to talk to, to that person. And um, sometimes it's hard to know, and, and, and it's very hard sometimes for your family, uh, if, you, if they're in the same home, to, um, to know, because you don't know. Uh, what's actually going on at the moment? So um, I've had various, you know, opening, closing doors, signs on the door over the years. You know, don't don't disturb dad. Okay, you can come in. You know, I'm just doing. Uh, it's fine to interrupt and so on. I think that kind of work is that that those kinds of issues can be surprisingly challenging at times. Um, and uh, I still. I mean, my wife has just started uh, playing the cello, and so I said to her when we started this pod, just before we started this uh, podcast, Tom, I said, Celia, don't, uh, uh, please don't pay, play the cello next door because. Uh, <laughs> so it's still going on even today. Um, so that that's that's one aspect of it. Um, you know, it's much easier now. My wife is here; the the kids are grown and out of the house. But uh, I don't think people should uh, an entrepreneur should uh, uh, underestimate the the issues uh, the challenges though you know there are tremendous advantages of, of having your office in your own home so as a meeting architect you work in and around the meetings industry which as a professional speaker I am deeply involved in the same industry so mm-hmm. what do you think I, I sort of have this philosophy that some of the best event professionals are really entrepreneurs. Now, that doesn't mean that they all own their own business or they want to launch out and start their own consultancy or meeting planning company. Sometimes they work for associations or they work for large companies or they work for hotels. But the way they go about their business is really entrepreneurial. So they don't have to be an entrepreneur. They're just they're just really have those same traits. Entrepreneurs take risks and they create things and they have a creative bent to them and they want things to grow. And the best event planners and the best people in our industry that I work with really have those same traits. What's your take on that? I agree with you completely and and you mentioned the creative part and I think um I mean I think there are two things. If you want to be a uh, successful in the events industry and you're a meeting planner and you're involved with events, you need to have two uh, really well-developed uh, skills, both of which are very important for entrepreneurs. One is uh, an, uh, attention to detail. You know, you have to, the logistics of your event has to have to be good. Uh, know how, no matter how innovative your event is, if, you know, if the lunch isn't there when people are hungry, they are not going to be happy. Um, so attention to detail is really important, but the other thing, uh, which is where the creative creativity comes in, is uh, events are very complicated, uh, and things don't go according to plan all the time. Uh, and the best event planners are creative folks who can come up with Plan B, uh, can can adapt, uh, can improvise, uh, and um, deal in with often high pressure situations, difficult situations, without uh, successfully. Um, and to do that, you need to be pretty creative. You need to you, you can't just say, well, it has to be the way that I was taught it was done uh, when it, that's not going to be possible. So those are those two characteristics, attention to detail and and, and on the spot creativity uh, are, I think, uh, the trademarks uh, of any successful event professional. And as you say, they overlap a lot with what an entrepreneur needs. 
Well, and I also think being a risk taker, because the program that I do as the conference catalyst brings yes. me in contact with a lot of planners who are mm -hmm. like, hmm, we're going to start with a motivational speech that actually ties in their whole career life into what they do for the next two days while they're here at that event. That's a little different than like bringing in a best-selling author or, you know, some celebrity. So it's a little bit of a risk the people who hire me just right off the top. I always mm -hmm. think that they're brave and that they're risk takers because it is a little different. Same thing is true with some of the programs that you bring to associations and other organizations. If they're going to do the type of things that you're suggesting, you know, mm -hmm. it's not a cookie cutter. It's not your mom and dad's, you know, it's not grandpa's convention. So they have to take these risks. How mm -hmm. do you how do you think you can tell the difference between an organizer who is a risk taker and one who might be risk averse? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, in terms it's in terms of how uh, up with, with my work, it's how people respond to me, because you're right. Um, uh, what I'm mainly known for is um, is really innovative designs, and my 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 uh, focus is on uh, what I call what I call participant-driven and participation-rich events. So these are events where people are not passive uh, and sitting and listening to speakers, but they are actually involved, interacting, and maybe uh, in many cases uh, determining what is actually happening at the event, right at the event itself. And that's a very risky thing for you know meeting organizers, uh, meeting planners to consider because uh, it, it, it conflicts with this whole a idea of, of control over the event. You know, you want everything to go smoothly and yet here's someone coming in saying, um, I have process that will allow uh, useful, uh, appropriate things to happen and I, but I can't tell you what they'll be because the participants are going to decide them themselves and it'll be great because they'll get their needs and wants net, met. Uh, and they'll love that. And that's why actually I got into this industry because I, I started doing these events over 20 years ago, more or less by accident. I fell into, you know, having to create an event where we didn't, we didn't have any experts. And so I said, well, how do we create an event where the audience, the participants themselves collectively provide the expertise for the event, provide the knowledge, and then how do we match up that expertise in the room with the needs in the room? And that's really what um, you know I, I uh, do, and what my first book uh, that came out in five years ago was about—about about how you create events like this. Um, and but it's it's risky, and it's it's risky for the organizers. It's a little risky for participants, and you have to facilitate. Part of my work is to facilitate that happening, and so on. So risk is—you're right, Tom. Risk is is completely threaded through. Uh, everything I do and the people I work with, and and I admire all those folks who do hear about what I do and uh, have the courage to say, well, this sounds great, and other people have said great things about it, and I don't really understand it, and uh, and they know they don't won't understand it until they experience it, but when they do, they're happy. So you actually, you know, saw a need, and through necessity of the events that you were already planning, you mm -hmm. saw something that was going to work, and it's really entrepreneurial to to see a need and then create something that fills that need, and that's what you've done with sort of your consulting practice and your, your meeting architecture. So mm -hmm. now that you have sort of pushed yourself into this, you know, you created sort of a niche that, you know, there's not a lot of people out there doing similar things to what you do. You've created this niche, you've, you've cleared your own path, if you will, for many years. If somebody else is looking 
looking saying, wow, Adrian's really done it. He's made this transition from one industry to another. He's created a successful practice where he's actually has ongoing business. I, I want to do that. What type of advice do you have somebody, whether they're in the events business and, and want to become a consultant or whether they are selling shoes and, and want to start a bookstore? I mean, it really doesn't matter if somebody has a burning desire to go right. do their own thing. What do you tell them? Well, first of all, the burning desire is very, very important. Um, and I think uh, figuring out what that burning desire is, I mean, uh, you could think of it as figuring out what your mission is. And what I realized uh, I uh, love to do, and I realized it through just doing this work on the side, organizing conferences for years before it became my profession. Uh, I discovered that I love to bring people together. I think a lot of uh, and, and uh, so that they can meet in ways that are useful and fun and productive uh, uh, for them. And I just enjoy doing that. I think a lot of people in the meetings industry, you know, are also motivated by the same passion. But the general message to entrepreneurs is: I think it's really, really important. Um, uh, one piece of advice I think I would I would give is is uh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, for goodness sake, figure out what that passion is that you have personally um, and build that and, and have that be the thrust of what it is you do, assuming, of course, that it's something that you can make a living at, which is kind of important. Uh, before you start um, just uh, saying, okay, I, I don't like working for large organizations and so forth, um, I'm going to go out on my own. Because a lot of people will, you know, pick something um, that they don't have that energy and drive for, and then, and it's a hard road. I, when I started I, uh, as an independent IT consultant, I remember for the first five years, I would be saying to my wife, you know, every uh, every month or two, I say, well, you know, I have about, I know what I'm doing for the next three months, but I have no idea what work I'm going to be doing after that, and. And it and it was about five years before she said, you know, you've been saying that for five years. It's probably <laughs> going to be okay. <laughs> That's now I got to jump in. That's exactly what's happened to me. I've been working mm -hmm. primarily as a conference speaker and a corporate trainer and a master of ceremonies now for about five and a half years. Mm -hmm. And the same thing. The first three years, as it was growing, I had no idea, but people kept calling, and it was a lot of word of mouth. So I would the more I spoke, the more opportunities I had to speak. But mm -hmm. but now I have reached that same level where. I, I don't know what 2015 is necessarily going to look like, but you know, based on 12, 13, and 14, right. I, I'm confident that the business is going to come. Exactly, and certainly in the IT consulting world, you know, which I did for 23 years, uh, my work was all word of mouth, and uh, you know, it was never a problem, even through you know the bubble and and the economic downturn at the beginning of of of, of this century. Um, so. Uh, I think that and 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 that experience made it very easy for me to uh, to do uh, what it, to 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 make make this change uh, with a huge amount of work. It took me the book that I just mentioned. Uh, I it took me four years part time to write that book, and um, I only wrote the book because uh, not because I thought I'll, this will be a career for me. Um, you know, this is something that I can I can see a clear path. To doing meeting uh, design, I wrote that book because I real I had run these uh, kinds of conferences for you know 15 years at that point, and it was very clear that people loved 
uh, this method, this, uh, the format, this way of doing participant-driven events. And I wanted to get it out into the world, but I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. I don't think anyone could have predicted um, uh, whether, that, whether anyone would have been inter was interested in it or not. I had a feeling uh, that people would be, and that's starting to um, you know, be borne out now. Um, and and um, you know, my work has uh, continued to increase, and I'm actually doing consulting for you know, now for clients that you might actually have heard of, um, and, and so on. So, but I didn't know that at the time, but the passion really sustained me through writing that book. Um, and uh, um, so I think that that's, a, that's in, in some ways the most important piece. There's one other piece of advice I'd like to add, Tom, if I, if I may, um, and that is that you really need to be brutally honest about your abilities. Um, I have, the example I always give is I have a friend um, who uh, many years ago who was doing IT consulting who was technically, I think, a better IT consultant than me. He knew more than I did. Um, but uh, he had one fatal um, flaw. He was terrible about billing his clients promptly. A really simple thing. He just, he just did not enjoy, you know, sitting down at the end of the month and, and creating the bill and sending it out and then, you know, uh, calling them if they didn't pay promptly and so forth. And the poor guy uh, eventually had to give up business because people noticed that and they didn't pay him and or they weren't billed. And, 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 and so, so I think it's really important to be uh, very, very frank about your strengths. And if there are pieces that uh, of the entrepreneurial life that you don't like or that you really are poor at, you need to find someone who can handle that for you or a way of handling those because otherwise you're not going to succeed. They're going to trip you up. And that's a shame. Well, and that is that is really, really good advice to everybody is you cannot do it all. And so find the areas that you can outsource and make sure early on you get someone good helping you with those areas. Mm -hmm. Now, you have done a really good job of sort of building your brand, your reputation, which I think is so important for everybody, whether they're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working inside a company. If, if nobody knows who you are, if you're the best kept secret in your industry, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to fail because people have to know. And you've done a really good job. You've gotten involved with many of the groups that are in the meetings industry. You have spoken at conferences. You write a blog for the meetings industry. And you also participate in social media. Your name continuously comes up and you're always providing value to people in the events business. How important do you think that is for an entrepreneur to sort of position themselves as a giving expert? I think it's incredibly important. Uh, one of my mentors um, told me a long time ago, and I understand the value of this, he said, uh, just give your ideas away. Um, you know, don't, there, there are people who have, you know, secret sauces and they, and they guard them jealously and are worried that other people will steal them and so forth. If you're a creative professional, uh, you know, my ideas, I have ideas, uh, I share them, um, and, you know, I hope that I'll have more. Uh, I, I don't want to be solving the same problems for my clients over and over again. Uh, if if I um, if I'm in that situation, I can write a book or I can provide some other kind of form where they I, or I can teach them how to solve their problems themselves, and then they don't need me anymore until they have a new problem that they can't solve. And clients love that. They lo actually I I, dis I discovered that um, that that uh, giving away. Um, your ideas, uh, um, that doesn't mean you, you don't charge for your ideas when they're asked for, but, uh, but not being um, uh, possessive of them is very helpful. 
And and you mentioned, um, I mean, in terms of developing my brand, I live in the middle of Vermont, in the uh, middle of nowhere, um, you know, in a town of 40 square miles and 800 people. And I, I live two and a half hours from Boston. Um, and I do have a place there now and spend time down there. But um, living where I do, social media has, be, has been, uh, I am the poster child for, for the success of social media uh, in developing you know, my brand and awareness of, of who I am and what I do. And part of that has been through social media, through volunteering, uh, uh, hosting Twitter chats for the events industry for a couple of years. Um, I now run a video podcast, uh, a, video, a video hangout every week for event professionals. Anyone um, who, I, who wants to, to can just join that and we chat about the industry or, or whatever we want to talk about. Um, doing things like that has been very, really, really valuable in... Um, um, in getting the word out about what I do, probably more important in the social media side than in the on the traditional uh, uh, speaking circuit and so forth for me. Uh, a lot more people know me all over the world who have never I've never met through social media than I've probably met at industry conferences. Well, you really have done a fantastic job of building that brand and giving back to the industry. But we could talk about Adrian and all the great things that you do all day long. And that's one of the things I love about hosting this podcast is I get to talk to people like you and hear their ideas and their insights into sort of the path they've taken and what they think other people can learn from that. But mm -hmm. we don't want to just talk about you because I think the best entrepreneurs are also observers. So who else do you observe? It could be in the meetings world or somewhere else who's uh -huh. doing something cool. You know who I'd like to uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, mention uh, David Adler of Bizbash, and this is so this is a meetings industry example, and David is a re is a remarkable person. Um, uh, he's definitely an entrepreneur. Has built uh, Bizbash, which for those of you who don't know, is an industry um, uh, uh, events industry magazine that, that really specializes in venues, special events. Um, and innovative things, new things. I mean, what David is really wonderful at is he's always looking for new stuff and and highlighting it. Um, and when I sort of came on the scene, I know five years ago with my new book, uh, he picked that up immediately and 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 was very very generous, um, you know, with his support and uh, uh, and and said and said, you know, I want you to tell people about this and so on. And it's not like you know. Uh, uh, um, we're best buddies and so forth, but I can see from his career and from what he publishes on the web now as well that he's always looking for that really creative new idea and, uh, and then giving it publicity. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's a very simple idea. Uh, he's very good at finding the new stuff. Uh, and then and then he publicizes it, and people like me, when I'm new and fresh, um, appreciate it. So that's a really a very simple model, uh, entrepreneurial model that's win-win. And he's really um, using his creative um, his creative ability to create a, a, a pretty large business uh, just uh, out of out of that. So a lot of entrepreneurs also are givers. So they find ways to give back either to their industry or to their community or to a cause that's really special to their heart. So what is it that you do, uh, that you do, Adrian, to give back to the greater good? Um, a number of things. I think I already mentioned that I do spend quite a bit of time uh, every week um, hosting industry events online. Um, 
the, the Twitter chats uh, before uh, for, for a number of years, and now the video, the video uh, hangout, which is a couple of hours every week, uh, nearly every week. Um, so that's the events industry. I also love um, finding folks uh, like David, but obviously, uh, but not as, uh, as um, uh, in, in such an uh, effective way, who have interesting things and promoting them and doing the same kind of thing, saying this person's got some really great ideas, uh, getting things out there. And, uh, you know, at a more prosaic level, uh, I have been very fortunate, you know, financially in uh, uh, how, you know, my, my entrepreneurial um, life has treated me. And um, we give, a, uh, my wife and I give a considerable amount to charity every year uh, because, you know, our income is frankly, uh, these days is more than we need to live at the level that we want to live. And uh, we, we uh, really enjoy uh, doing that, and well, the final thing I probably do is, is I do is that I will do uh, events for free, uh, you know, waive fees and so on when it's a, a really great cause. I have different rates structures for nonprofits, and I will do pro bono work um, uh, 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 several times a year, generally. Well, and we live in a world where you know the we we tend to see a lot of attention on the takers, and you really are one of the givers. So I love the fact that you do so many things in so many different ways, and you are. You talked about the fact that you find people and help promote them. You know, we talk a lot about that out there, but you really live by it. You have sort of follow through DNA is a, a term that I use because you'll meet people all the time who are like, "Oh, I really like what you're doing. I'll tell my tribe about that," and mm-hmm. then they never do it. You know, they get busy or they're like, "Oh, I forgot," or "Oh, it really didn't fit with." my newsletter theme or whatever. So they, they, they say they're going to do things that they never really go do. And I'm just going to pat you on the back because you always follow through when you say you're going to promote other people. You've done it for me, but I've also witnessed you do it for so many other people in our industry and and beyond. So I should applaud you for really having that, that follow through do it nature when it comes to promoting others. I, I want to say, Tom, that thank you very much for that. But I, I, it's 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 easy because it's it's congruent with you know my mission. If I want to bring people together, uh, I need to do. It's like hosting a party. You know, you need to do the work to make that happen. Um, and I get pleasure out of you know the end result, just like a host at a good party gets pleasure of having br- brought friends together and maybe made some uh, allow people to make to make some new friends and so on. So it's it's I think it's easy uh, for me to do because it is congruent um, uh, with that mission and uh, it, it's it is part of what I do. So. It's not it's it's not it's not that hard. <laughs> well, Adrian, I want to thank you for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if someone was listening and they said, I need to know more about Adrian Seeger and about his being a meeting architect and about how he designs conferences that don't suck because I have a conference and I don't want it to suck. Mm-hmm. How do they find out about you? My website uh, is conferences that work dot com. So it's conferences that work or one word run together dot com. Or you can Google my name if you spell it right. It's Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, Seeger, S-E-G-A-R. And you will find all kinds of stuff about me on the Internet. Yes. Uh, and, and my website is it. And I say that he's really good to follow on Twitter, too. So I think you're just at Adrian Seeger or are you A Seeger? Uh, it's, it's at A Seeger, at A-S-E-G-A-R. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Again, thank you for being a guest with us here. 
Thank you, Tom. And to, every, and to everybody who listened to this episode, thank you very much for tuning in. We are continuing to try and bring you interesting interviews with cool entrepreneurs who are doing really cool things out there. Now go forth and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at @TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.